Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, Hillary Clinton has a brand new explanation for her emails. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm really, really sorry and won't do it again. I think that's going to work great. Um, well, then you and I will disagree. <laughs> I, don't think a, I don't think it's a very good approach. I don't think it's a very good explanation. And it, it comes at an odd time. I mean, you just had this New York Times story earlier this week suggesting that the new Hillary that we were going to see was going to be the honest, authentic, real Hillary. And then she starts that kind of rebranding or new authenticity by, in effect, apologizing for something she said just days earlier wasn't a mistake. I mean, it doesn't get more inauthentic than that. I think the bigger problem she faces is that she can't really give a good explanation for why she did what she did because there isn't a good explanation for why she did what she did. Well, I, it's interesting because obviously the apology is getting the front page news. The press is pushing for it because they hate the email story. I say hate. I mean, they're covering it, but they know this is bad for Hillary. They'd rather cover something else like a clerk in Kentucky. But apologizing for uh, using personal email is not even, you know, that's like saying, you know, after you come back from Vegas broken with a stripper's, you know, phone number, honey, I'm sorry I overpaid for the hotel room. I mean, it's a lot more. <laughs> that's the least of the problems that you had a private email. Right. I think that's exactly right. And, and as you and I have discussed before, you know, one could argue that her political problems are, in a sense, the least of it. I mean, she's now facing a serious investigation by all accounts by serious people at the FBI, including some of the same people who reviewed the David Petraeus case. And I think the more they look, the more trouble she's likely to be in. You know, one of the things that they're going to be looking at is, how, what kinds of steps did she take to scrub this server? I mean, if she just deleted the emails and wiped the server, uh, the FBI has ways of uh, pulling information from a wiped server. Um, there could be uh, details about what kinds of things she was up to uh, that might still exist even if she had wiped the server. On the other hand, if she really wiped the server and wiped it again and again and again seven times, uh, ten times, then I think we have our answer, don't we? Uh, if, if she went to great lengths to make sure that there wasn't any additional data on the server, then I think we know we, we have an answer. It might not be the, the most satisfying answer. But I think we'd have an answer. I think once they keep digging down to the super electron level like the FBI can, they're going to find every electron bound and gagged sitting in a room of its own saying, I'm not saying a word, I'm not saying a word. So that's where they're going. And I think in part this plays to why she's been so relatively docile on the Iran deal. I mean, she has a lot of mileage she could make from a standpoint of, look, there's going to be an Iran deal, but you need someone like me who's tough and can really handle this, and she could take a few pokes at it. Instead, today, it was very much, you know, she gave some weasel words, and you can't, basically it was, you can't trust Iran, that's why we're signing a deal with them. And I don't think she has a lot of leverage on the Iran deal. This is all going to be a fight between the Republicans in Congress and President Obama, with virtually every other Democrat cheering the president on or standing on the sidelines. Yeah, and I think congressional Democrats, in some cases, cheering the president on enthusiastically, uh, particularly the ones in deep blue states and safe congressional districts, but many others not. You know, many others, I think, had, have been 
conjoled uh, and and really forced to back the president on this. I mean, the kinds of um, pressure that the Obama administration put on congressional Democrats to get behind the president on this, if only they'd use that same kind of pressure and those same kind of hardball tactics on Iran, we might have had a better deal, <laughs> but they didn't. And uh, so I think you've got a lot of congressional Democrats who are uneasy about supporting this deal uh, and, and not excited about supporting this deal and certainly don't want to spend a lot of time defending the deal if this public debate about the deal continues, which I expect that it will precisely because of the kinds of things that Republicans are planning to do. Well, let's talk it's about that because good, there's, there's a lot of fear that, you know, if there's anyone who can, you know, screw up a one-person parade, it's the Republican leadership in Congress. Do they have a plan to exploit Democratic discomfort and concerns in, you know, uh, parts of the Democratic base about this deal? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, what, what is essentially what you're going to see uh, in the House of Representatives over the, the coming two days is a plan to, to kind of flip Corker Carden on its head. So uh, what will come out of the, the end of that process will be, in a sense, the Speaker of the House saying to the President of the United States, you didn't comply with Corker Carden. You broke the law. You didn't provide us the documentation that the law requires you to do, and therefore the House of Representatives does not support you. And they're going to do that in basically three steps. First, they're going to... Uh, pass a sense of the House resolution that the administration hasn't complied with Corker Cardin because it hasn't provided these two side deals between Iran and the IAEA. Let me which, interrupt you right there because I think it's sure. important. My understanding is that the Corker bill explicitly said that you have not complied with informing Congress if you don't include everything. And I think the language even used like phrases like side deal and addendum. Exactly right. Like that. Okay, You're correct. Sure. No, your understanding is exactly right. And that's why that, you know, a sense of the House resolution isn't, isn't a big deal, but it essentially gets people on the record saying, hey, they didn't, they didn't follow the law. They broke the law. Uh, the second step would be a resolution of approval of the deal outside of Corker Carden, the Iran deal itself, outside of Corker Carden, uh, which is a vote that will fail. I mean, the deal will obviously fail, right. meaning the House is rejecting the Iran deal. And then third... Uh, will be binding legislation to prevent the president from lifting the sanctions, which would require then the president to use this waiver authority. Um, you know, so does it does it block the Iran deal? It doesn't. But does it get people on the record voting for or against the Iran deal? It does. And I think it makes the president, uh, you know, he, he would very much like to have sort of the stamp of approval, even if it's done in sort of crazy procedural ways of Congress, and he's not going to get it. And instead, you're going to have the House of Representatives saying, I think, with a loud voice, Mr. President, you broke the law in Corker Cardin. We do not approve your Iran deal. And yet there's a lot of frustration with Republicans because he's going to get his way. And a lot of people say you know, to me, he doesn't care. You know, Congress could stand up and announce that they have, you know, absolute right. proof that he's in league with the dark forces of Satan. And he'd go, yeah, 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 but I got my bill, so who cares? And in the Senate, which is the only chance that this ever had of being stopped, he's going to roll right through, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think he is. Look, I mean, in part, that's that problem uh, took place a lot earlier when he was given this waiver authority, uh, which was not in this, was not in, in Corker Cardin or did not originate in this most recent legislation. So the problem that people have, and I share that frustration, isn't actually with that part of Corker Cardin. There are other parts that I think were problematic. Um, but with, with 
the original sanctions legislation, uh, which gave the president this, this waiver authority. Uh, how is the president holding so strongly when approval for this bill is in the 20s? Uh, two to one, Americans say, I don't like it, I don't want it. Uh, by a bigger margin, they say they don't trust Iran. And by about the same margin, they say they don't like how President Obama is handling this. And yet he's just cleaning the table in the U.S. Senate. I just, I, 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 really, this is the best the Republicans can do when the people are on their side, the issues are on their side, the facts are on their side. The best they can do is literally not even have a vote on the bill. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where I think Republicans were late to the game to a certain extent. I mean, you know, it, it, certainly if anybody who's read the Weekly Standard over the past couple of years had a sense of how bad this deal was likely to be, and you know, we were in editorials and in reported pieces, you know, in effect pulling our hair out to try to get people to to mount a fight before this late this spring when when you saw. I'd say moribund uh, congressional Republicans really finally stand up, and they only did so after Tom Cotton's letter. I think sort of forced them to. Um, that's been a problem. There were other things that they could have done. I think the hours late, but if they want to fight on on uh, on Corker Cardin on these, the fact that that the administration hasn't provided these secret agreements. I think they should continue to do that. You know, Bill Crystal and I wrote an editorial about a month ago suggesting that Congress not vote on uh, not vote on the deal until unless and until the administration provided all of the documents related to Iran that had been taken from the compound of Osama bin Laden. We, we wrote that editorial. We made that suggestion because we had been told by senior defense intelligence agency officials that that information is highly relevant to understanding the nature of the Iranian regime. And, you know, basically that was a big shrug from members of Congress. So here you have senior intelligence officials telling the Weekly Standard, saying publicly, in effect, oh, by the way, we have these documents in hand, the administration does anyway, that lay out the relationship between Iran and al-Qaeda. And it's important that Congress see it before they vote on it. And it was basically met with a collective shrug, including Republicans, with one exception being Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. One last question for you. The talk about because it's so egregious that there's not even going to be a vote for the president to veto blowing up the filibuster at this case. And, you know, I'm one of those people I've seen this fight go badly for Republicans, and I like the filibuster in general. But I think this may be the highest high ground you're ever going to have. Is that even a possibility in the Senate? Yeah, so I go back and forth on this because as a general proposition, I don't like the idea of getting rid of the filibuster or, or of even taking that step, even contemplating taking that step. I think in the long run, you're much better off having the ability to filibuster. It's better for limited government. There's a reason that, that we arrived at that, um, that point originally. Um, if you were ever going to contemplate doing it, I would argue that something like the Iran deal would be the time. Um, you know, in effect, you look at the way that Democrats have manipulated the system and manipulated the rules um, in recent years, uh, particularly, I would say, under Harry Reid, and you ask yourself, well, why don't Republicans, in effect, do the same thing or use the rules, manipulate the rules to get the kind of outcomes that, that they think would be better for the country? And Republicans have thus far seemed unwilling to do that. Um, I'm not sure the filibuster would be the right thing to do, but if you were ever going to do it, this would be the time. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. 
You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.